0: Media commentators and other wastes of the precious gift of human life are saying that a new bombshell book about Donald Trump could mark a tipping point when the walls start closing in on the beginning of the end of a crucial period at the crossroads of a juncture of a defining moment when push comes to shove in the crunch of an emergency. It could be the tipping point of the beginning of the end of the flashpoint when the walls start closing in on the defining event of the Trump administration. The new bombshell of a book is entitled bombshell, how the Trump administration reached a tipping point when the walls closed in on the beginning of the end. According to anonymous sources, Ex. Excerpts have been leaked to the press by anonymous sources who confirm that the anonymous sources reporting on the anonymous sources are, in fact, anonymous, which, coincidentally, is the name of the author of Bombshell, How the Trump Administration Reached a Tipping Point When the Walls Closed in on the Beginning of the End, which anonymous sources say could be a bombshell that marks the tipping point when the walls closed in on the beginning of the end of the Trump administration." Anonymous sources who have read the excerpts of Bombshell by Anonymous have told Anonymous sources that they contain stunning revelations about the Trump administration, which could mark a crucial juncture of of a defining event when those stunning revelations come to light and are revealed to be truly stunning. The New York Times, a former newspaper, declared bombshell stunning revelations to be a stunning bombshell and denounced Trump in what was either a front page news story or an editorial on the op-ed page, depending on which way you're holding the paper. The paper declared that this could definitely be the beginning of the end of the beginning of the end of the beginning. President Trump could not be reached for comment because he was busy bringing peace to the Middle East. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. Hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo, birds are winging, also singing, hunky dunky ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a zing it's a wonderful day, hoorah, hooray, it makes me want to sing, oh, hooray
1: hooray.
0: All right, the massive conspiracy known as Clavenon continues. The definition of Clavenon is it's not the crazy conspiracy theory, it's the facts on which the crazy conspiracy theory is based. So uh, some of you wrote in yesterday to tell me that Joe Biden wasn't actually standing in a cornfield. And I just want to say that if you don't know how to have a good time, you're listening to the wrong show. If you're listening to the right show, you want to be a subscriber at my YouTube channel. The reason being that as of September 28th, the YouTube podcast will be moving off the Daily Wire YouTube channel and exclusively moving to the Andrew Claven channel. This is not because I'm leaving the Daily Wire. It's because the Daily Wire is just a shame to acknowledge me. Uh, so you want to subscribe at, uh, da- at YouTube.com slash Andrew and leave a comment. And if the comment is sufficiently idiotic, we will read it on the air to, just to elevate the conversation here. Uh, I got one today from Vane Soma. Uh, says Clavin, fountain of wisdom. What will we do when you fall asleep? This question keeps me up at night. Uh, luckily, that's not a problem. Since there's no chance of that. I'm going to be talking about the Middle East peace deal today, which is important, not just because of what it might accomplish over the long run, but because it upends the conventional wisdom about the region and reverses the ideas put forward by Barack Obama, whom, as you know, the media adored. Any honest observer would look at that and learn something. They'd learn a lot about conventional wisdom, about Barack Obama, about the media, and about Donald Trump. A lot of my listeners get annoyed with me when I talk about things I don't like about Donald Trump, like his rudeness and his bludgeoning unkindness in a fight. But I've always said that these are tragic aspects of his personality, because on the one hand, they make it harder for him to get reelected, but on the other hand, they are necessary for him to get things done in a Washington, D.C. that has gone completely off the founding rails. As I wrote in my novel, Empire of Lies, in an empire of lies, only a crazy man will tell the truth. Trump is that man. Now, the reason America has become an empire of lies is because of leftism. Leftism is a form of social decay. When a society is successful, people stop asking the question, how can I contribute to the success and be part of it? And they start asking other questions, like how can I steal a piece of everybody else's success And how can I steal money from one person and give it to another person in order to buy power for myself? Because stealing is wrong, and it's always wrong, whether it's the government doing it or you, these questions have to be reframed as acts of compassion. You have to lie about them. And because human nature is such that only self-reliance leads to happy conclusions— Everyone who succumbs to the spell of leftism has to start lying about themselves and about the outcomes, and then they have to start lying about the fact that they lied, and then they have to start lying to protect the lies they've already told. When your entire sense of virtue is tied up in these lies, it takes someone as belligerent and rude as Orange Man Bad to break through the noise. The question before us now in this election is Will the voting public sacrifice free stuff and comfortable lies for an off putting loudmouth who actually get thing, gets things done as he did in the Middle East? Obviously, we can only hope for Trump's re election, but you can't force freedom on people. That's what makes it freedom. So, You're using the internet all the time, and you don't want people to steal your identity. Why? Because then you won't know who you are, and somebody else will, and will start using your stuff, which you do not want. Once it gets started, it is a mess, but LifeLock can help. Every day we put our information at risk on the Internet and cyber criminals keep finding new ways to steal identities. The FBI Cyber Division is warning that students and families will be increasingly vulnerable to cyber attacks because of the current online learning use of teleconference applications. Since the start of the pandemic, there's been a 300 percent increase in cybercrime activity. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats, like your social security number for sale on the dark web, and if they detect your information, they will send you an alert. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can find out if your information is on the dark web with a free dark web scan at lifelock.com slash Claven. Pick the plan that's right for you and save up to 25% off your first year with promo code CLAVEN. That's a free scan at lifelock.com slash Claven and 25%. Lifelock.com slash Claven. And you, you know, you want to know how do you spell Claven? I know everyone is asking. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. No Ease in Claven. I just I make it look like this. I'm not sure what this is. The mailbag will be coming up, so you gather <laughs> your gather your yeah. problems around you and scream in their ear like that. It makes them nervous. So yesterday they signed a deal normalizing relations between Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates and Israel. This is the first real move toward peace in the region for over 25 years. They're called the Abraham Accords after the prophet, who's obviously respected by all three major monotheist religions, Jews, Christians and uh, Muslims all respect Abraham. And Trump says this could just be the beginning. This is cut nine. Nobody
1: thought of the plan that I thought of. And it's going around the back door. I call it going around the smart door and coming in a different way. And we have many other countries going to be joining us, and they're going to be joining us soon. Uh, we'll have, I can—I mean, I think seven or eight or nine. We're going to have a lot of other countries joining us, including the big ones. I spoke with the king of Saudi Arabia. At the right time, I do think they will come in. Yes, I do.
0: So Saudi Arabia would be, I mean, you'd have to learn how to say, holy moly in Hebrew if you brought Saudi Arabian. Saudi Arabia d- is letting the other countries fly through their airspace uh, back and forth to Israel. So that is... Uh at least an indication that they're friendly. And the reason this didn't happen before now, okay, is because everything was keyed to the cause of the Palestinians. And this is not in a judgment on the cause of the Palestinians, except that the real cause of the Palestinians was exterminating Israel, right? And so is that the cause of the left. The left wants to exterminate Israel too because the left is anti-Western, they're anti-freedom, because freedom is a belief in individual decision makers. And the left has it all figured out, so they want to make the decisions for you because they're going to bring paradise right and since the both palestinians and the left wanted to destroy israel the basic principle was when they went and couldn't make a deal with palestine with the palestinians because the palestinians wouldn't take anything because they wanted to destroy Israel everybody would go back to Israel and say well could you give up a little more like your lives could everybody die please could you just give up your land could you all be driven into the sea you know and even when they would offer that if there was still one Jew left on the land the Palestinians would say no and if the Palestinians would say no all the other countries would say no as well and since the left was really in, sympathetic to this idea because they do hate western freedom they were going along with this Trump And Jared Kushner changed everything. And we're going to take a look at how that got done. Obama, one of the things that helped here is Obama. Obama did everything wrong. And everything that Trump has done has been the opposite of what Obama did. Obama empowered Iran. Obama gave them all that money, that stupid deal, that nuclear deal, which was supposed to stop their nuclear program. But obviously just it had a sunset in 10 years, which is no time whatsoever. So all they had to do is stockpile stuff and wait. But I'm not even sure they were going to obey it that far. I mean, people kept saying they were obeying it. But what difference did it make? It didn't make any difference. And people were terrified. People were terrified. And Israel. And so Israel is is a good friend to have if you're fighting with Iran because your enemy's enemy is your friend. But also Israel is the most economically and technologically advanced country in the region. So if you're missing out on trading with the most successful person in your region, you're missing out on economics and on success. So if everything had to depend on the Palestinians, ultimately you were never going to get the deal done. You were hooking your wagon to this rock. Instead of hooking your wagon to a star, you're hooking it to a rock and it's going to plummet down. You're just going to keep your economy uh, in Dutch. Okay. So here's what Jared Kushner and the administration did. They made a lot of good faith efforts to bring the Palestinians in. Byron York, by the way, at National Review has a really good article about this, which you should look up. But they they kept offering the Palestinians good deals. Okay. So the administration held a conference in Bahrain last year where they offered a $50 billion economic plan for the Palestinian territories and the Palestinians didn't even show up. Right. So Kushner said this showed everybody in the region the Palestinians weren't interested. They weren't going to take anything. And it made them look like uh, Jared Kushner says, the Palestinians looked like fools for not showing up. So over the course of this, we really exposed the fact that the Palestinian leadership was not interested in actually making peace. They were just keeping the conflict going. And then they even proposed a two-state solution, but the Palestinians said, no, no, no. So that meant that the the other countries started to realize, and Jared Kushner played to this, that they weren't going to get any deal if they waited for the Palestinians. And what Kushner said was, well, why don't you do what's good for you? Why don't what you do what is good for you? And that's why people started to come around. It was a new way. The old way, like I said, was they would keep going back to Israel and asking for concessions because Israel was the only reasonable player in the game and because the left doesn't like Israel. So they kept asking for concessions. This time, Kushner said, why don't you do what's good for you? And the beginning was the first thing they had to do was build trust with the Israelis. And the way they built trust with the Israelis, you will remember, was when Donald Trump actually kept his promise to move the American embassy to Jerusalem. Here was the press reaction and the reaction of the experts when they did this. This is cut 13.
1: President Trump's big decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and one that Palestinians and others say could destroy hopes
2: of Middle East peace once and for all.
0: The president's unilateral action will get people killed. How hot will it get? And how destabilizing will it be?
2: What he has done is thrown a diplomatic
1: bomb into the Middle East peace process.
2: They're not interested in history. They don't don't know history. That would then embarrass all the Sunni Arab regimes. They would have to do something enormously complicating. by the way, Israel's relations with them. It's going to stop any hope of Middle East
1: progress in the peace talks.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Now, Thomas Friedman wrote a column today talking about the fact that the deal worked and he's been cheering for it. One of those guys you heard talking was Thomas Friedman. So at least he is acknowledging that he's wrong, as I'll show you in a minute. That's not true of everybody. But all of these guys, John Kerry, Obama's secretary of state, one of the worst secretaries of state ever, said if we move the embassy to Jerusalem, everything will explode. Uh, So all of these guys completely wrong. And, you know, when people are wrong like that, it means when all the experts, it's like the, the Chinese flu and all the experts are saying one thing, it's very hard to get them to move. You have to be really thick skinned. You have to be a little nasty to break that spell. You really do. And that's one of the things that Donald Trump does. Pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal, this Iran nuclear deal, Obama basically sacrificed the Middle East to his vision that he could bring Iran into the Community of nations, which doesn't exist in the first place, but he believes it does. And he thought he, if I'm nice to Iran, Iran is going to come into the community of nations and just be one of us. That is the classic leftist trope that everything is the fault of the West, which basically strips other people of their own will and motivation. He never, it never occurred to him this, oh, Iran is acting like terrorists because they're terrorists, because they have a terrorist philosophy. So it never occurred to him that they were doing things because of who they were, not because of what we do. This is the old idea that the left is always, you know, they bombed us uh, on 9-11 and the left is, why did they hate us? Well, they hate us because they're hateful. They have a hateful philosophy that is directed toward people like us. That's why they did it. It wasn't because we did something wrong. It was because everything we do is wrong. Just existing, our freedoms are wrong. And since the left has sympathy with that, they can't understand that that might be a hateful idea. So pulling out of the Iran deal was a big deal. And also the killing of Qasem Soleimani, the uh, chief terror, terrorist in Iran. And you remember how everybody just said, oh, my gosh, we're, we're all going to war. We're going to war with Iran. But this proved to the other countries that we were serious in standing up to Iran. We weren't just talking like Barack Obama often was. Here's what Joe Biden said about the killing of Qasem Soleimani. And I, I, this, I didn't put this part in just for time, but he does acknowledge that Soleimani was a horrible, horrible guy who killed a lot of Americans. But this is what he says the result is going to be of pulling out of the Iran deal, which helped, and of killing Soleimani, which helped. This morning,
2: we could be on the brink of a new kind of major conflict in the Middle East. And we'll likely see Iran ramping up its nuclear enrichment in the coming days, putting an extremely dangerous problem that our administration had solved and put on the back burner back on the table. I hope the administration, I pray the administration has thought through the second and third order consequences of what they have chosen. Now the administration has said, the goal of killing Soleimani was to deter future attacks by Iran.
0: but the action almost certainly will have the opposite impact. All right. So he got that wrong, but he did uh, manage to correct it uh, yesterday with this comment, this is cut 15.
2: As if you could take care, if you were a quartermaster, you can sure and hell take care of running a, you know, department store uh, thing, you know, where, and the second floor of the ladies department or whatever, you know what I mean?
0: Wish it into the cornfield. Please, son, wish it into the cornfield. Please. <laughs> if I could have found a cut, wish it into the swamp, I would have used that. That, that, that other cut had nothing to do with the Middle East. I just couldn't help but play it. He's babbling like a... However, Obama Defense Secretary Robert Gates said, I think Joe Biden has been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades. This guy's been in government for 47 years. You're not going to get new ideas. Fracking, which Biden says he'll ban, but he won't, but he will... Fracking has been a big uh, part of the peace in the Middle East because it means that we are energy independent, that we can't be blackmailed by OPEC. It means we have that the power uh, in the Middle East has leaked away with uh, more um, energy being supplied by us. So it's not a sin for these people to be wrong. And, you know, as I say, Thomas Friedman put out, wrote an article today saying this was a good deal. It's not a sin to be wrong, but it's a sin to stick to your wrongness after you've been proved wrong. And I talk about this all the time. This is the whole issue with the left. This is the whole issue with the left. You know, if you can say, oh, yeah, I got that wrong. You were right. Congratulations. Sometimes, you know, even I can be wrong. I mean, not, I'm not talking about me, of course. I, that's, that would be absurd. But I mean, other people, other people are occasionally wrong. And if, if you can just say, oh, I was wrong. You were right. You can move on. You just go ahead and move on into the next thing. There's no problem with that. But if you can't say that, you just keep going down that wrong road. Here's Nancy Pelosi talking about this deal. It's cut seven.
2: Hopefully, that will be beneficial to the region. We've been waiting for a very long time for the president's proposal for an Israeli-Palestinian uh, peace agreement uh, that honored the two-state solution. Uh, it was coming in two weeks. It was coming in two months. It was coming in six months. It still hasn't come uh, in, in any way that has brought peace. So. Uh, good for him for having a distraction on a day when the numbers of people who are affected and the numbers of people who are dying from this virus only increases.
0: So that's really gracious and open-minded. And and again, going back to this thing, they did offer a two-state solution to the Palestinians, but the Palestinians don't want a two-state solution. They want a one-state solution, which involves everybody in Israel being dead. Okay, that's and, th- and the problem again is because the left hates the West and they hate freedom and they hate individual freedom, and because the Israelis represent that, they basically agree with the Palestinians. That deal cannot be made. I'm going to show you a couple more in just a second, a couple more of these incredible reactions. Real, they really are incredible. But first, let us talk about Quip. Quip is an electric toothbrush. You got to have an electric toothbrush. I don't know if you know this, but you know, I use, I never used to use one, and then my dental hygienist said, "No, no, they're so much better, and they're so much better." I just went to the dentist a couple of days ago, and she said, "Wow, your teeth look great. It's because of an electric toothbrush." And the thing about Quip is, it's not built like a bazooka. It's not this huge thing. It's beautiful. It's sleek. Uh, it has batteries. They send you. They will send you uh, new a new brush. You can subscribe, so they'll send you new new brushes new batteries. It is really nice. The Quip Smart Brush, which is for adults and kids, connects to the Quip app with Bluetooth, so you can track when and how well you brush. You can get tips and coaching to improve your habits, and you can redeem for rewards like free products, gift cards, and discounts from Quip and partners. Quip has sensitive sonic vibrations, a two-minute timer with 30-second pulses for a guided clean, which I find enormously helpful so you don't just quickly run a toothbrush over your face uh, and be done. So start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today. And go to getquip.com slash right now to get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash clavin. Quip gives you better oral health, made simple and rewarding. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking when I said spelled, you thought, oh boy, he's going to tell us how to spell clavin. Uh, <laughs> then I didn't, so you were disappointed. But just, you know, as you're brushing your teeth, just recite just okay. V- uh, 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 that's you were spell. too smart to be acting this dumb. So, <laughs> you smell clayman. So, just a couple more reactions to this peace deal, which is a breakthrough. And look, it might not last, it might fall apart, but you only have today to go by. You know, this is the thing it is progress, and it is. A lesson in how to make progress. Support your allies, stand against your enemies. The opposite of the Obama idea, which was support your enemies and stand against your allies. It really was. I mean, he just kept kicking Israel in the pants repeatedly and sucking up to Iran, and it doesn't work. Why? Because they are motivated by their own goals and philosophies. This is the thing the West never understands. Whenever you hear them blaming America for every little thing that happens, they're just not giving credence to other people's human motivations. Israelis are naturally democratic people. They are naturally freedom-loving people. You only have to read the Bible to find this out. That's the way they behave. They're going to live by that. Whereas the Iranians are terrorists. They have a terrorist philosophy, and they are terrorist people. I'm, I'm sure it's not the people I'm talking about. Of course, the regime. So let's just give a couple of stupidity awards, not for people who were wrong in the past, but for people who are wrong now. We have Juan Williams, uh, favorite uh, Fox News uh left-wing commentators cut 12.
3: why is nancy Pelosi calling it a distraction well because it is you know (laughs) this is a moment when you could look at the situation and say the real trouble here is between the palestinians and the israelis and that situation has not been helped but the real action here is in the united states giving arms giving serious arms to uae uh, potentially to go after the Iranians. And so what we're doing is stirring up a proxy war. <laughs>
0: so, you know, Orwell, well, they always say war is peace. You know, the, the oppressors. So he's saying this peace, peace is war, peace is war. But the prize for stupidity, I mean, I, he won it so often, it's almost a shame to give it to him again. But Chuck Todd... This has got to be one of the stupidest comments. (laughs) This this guy's on a major network. He's on MSNBC here, but he's also on NBC. And this guy has his own show and everything like this. This is an unbelievable comment as he's watching them sign these deals. Cut six.
1: You know, Peter, this deal is a bit uncomfortable for a lot of observers to watch because it seems so transactional. It's as if pulling out of the Iran deal is what got these Gulf states on board. To do this you know to then recognize it it feels like there is a lot of quid pro quos involved in this um that it isn't something larger than that then again sometimes middle east diplomacy the only way to make things move is is through the transactional nature uh, uh of the region
0: it's a deal it's, that's what a deal is it's like the problem with this deal is that it's a deal. They dealt and now they have a deal and that makes me uncomfortable because a deal is a deal. Instead of saying, oh yeah, they got rid of this stupid nuclear deal with Iran and got an actual peace deal, which is the obvious thing. It's like like the art of the deal is the art of the deal, Chuck. You know, there is one comment I didn't read from the YouTube channel. I just have to interrupt it for just a moment. It was from E.J. Lee. He says, our toddler was playing around Uh, in the landscaping rocks this afternoon, repeating rock auto, (laughs) rock auto, teach them young. I hope that's a true story because you definitely want to be saying rockauto.com. If you need parts for your car, you don't want to get in your car, pretend to drive to the automobile parts store, but you can't because you need a part for your car. Instead, you can get rockauto.com right on your computer. They always offer the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market. Will bear. they're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. But all of that, all of that fades to nothing when you just realize you have the chance to say rockauto.com. It'll make your wife swoon. You may not even know what swooning is, but just say rockauto.com and you will find out. Good prices, a wide range of selections, get them all right there in your computer, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Clavin in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. And I, I say it the same way, Clavin. Like, Clavin, oh yeah, Clavin, ah, oh, it's K-L-A, V-A-N. Right. <laughs> so, you know, when you see when you see that for years and years and years we've been doing the same thing in the Middle East, and suddenly they change and good things happen. Maybe this is something that some of our other citizens should take note of as well. For instance, some of our black citizens who have been doing the same thing and voting the same way all these years and being told the same thing is going to fix your life all these years and finding that some of these neighborhoods are not being fixed. Listen, the past was unfair. The past was unjust. You can't fix it. It's past. That's what makes it past. That is what the past is. You know, when they say the past, the past is past, the past is past. You cannot fix it. And I I get it. I get it. It takes a certain bit of letting go. But now the path in America is open to its black citizens. I know there's people who are racist, but the path in America is open to its black citizens. And The question is, are you going to participate or are you going to try and tear it down because of the past with nothing to replace it? There is a new study that says 95%, 95% of this summer's riots are linked to Black Lives Matter. And I want to reiterate something I said the other day, which is that the problem with Black Lives Matter is not the color of people's skin. It's the color of their flag. It's the red. It's not black. It's the red. It's the Marxism that is driving this, this thing. And Marxism makes people crazy and it doesn't work. So, These these riots, which are getting more violent, they're also attracting violent people from the left and the right. They're attracting people who come in to want to be part of the excitement and the the violence. These things are being driven a lot by Black Lives Matter, according to this, according to ACLED, which is this. I'm reading this from the Federalist. Uh, it's the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project. It's a nonprofit organization that tracks conflict across the globe. They found that uh, 633 incidents coded as riots. 88% as record, are recorded as involving Black Lives Matter activists. Uh, data for 51 incidents lack information. Uh, so BLM activists were involved with 95% of the riots for which there is information. So Donald Trump did this town hall, supposed to be a town hall on ABC with uh, George Stephanopoulos, who you remember used to cover up uh, abuses of women uh, by Bill Clinton and then went to became the chief news guy at ABC, where they covered up the Jeffrey Epstein story during Hillary Clinton's rise. Not that George Stephanopoulos had anything to do with that, but we can, you can trust George. You can trust George. So this turned out to be kind of an ambush. They had all these people attacking Trump and Trump was really good. He must have known. I mean, he's not a he's not a dope. He knows if he goes on ABC, he's walking into an en, en, enemy territory. Uh, so he must have known and he was clearly prepared and he did. I thought he did a really good job. But this was one of my favorite moments when he was talking about the violence in cities and, and law and order. And uh, Stephanopoulos is basically trying to sell the idea that he hasn't solved the law and order problem. And Trump says this is about Democrats. And listen closely to what he says is cut five. You
1: take a look. This is a Democrat problem, George. I know you're a Democrat, but this is largely a Democrat problem. If you... Just take a look at the list. Every Democrat city, almost, not all, but a lot of them, certainly in the top 25, even if you go to the top 50, almost every city is run by the Democrats. People don't respect our Mr. police, President, and they pr- have to respect You them. promised four years ago at the, Democrat, at the Republican convention I'm going to restore law and order. And I have, except in Democrat-run cities. (laughs)
0: That's great. But my favorite part of that is where he turns to Stephanopoulos and says, you're a Democrat, George, which, of course, in the old days, nobody would ever do to a reporter. But now that they're so biased and so corrupt and so one-sided, and Stephanopoulos, I mean, Stephanopoulos should not be a guy with Stephanopoulos history should not be at the top of a major news organization. The fact that he is, is just a, is just a sign of the level of corruption. When corruption gets that bad, people stop hiding it because they think they're untouchable. And that's why they appointed George Stephanopoulos because the news business is now so corrupt, so corporate, so uh, tied to corporate interests, which are tied to big government that they think, well, nobody's going to attack us for a, Appointing George Stephanopoulos at the head of our um, of our news organization, and no one does, but Trump is the guy because he's rude, because he says what has to be said. He's the guy who points it out. And you know, again, I have to say, there was another well. Play question twenty. This is a question he got cut twenty.
2: You've coined the phrase "Make America Great Again." Right. When has America been great for African Americans in the ghetto of America? Are you aware of how tone deaf that comes off to African American community? If you
1: look at just prior to, and I'm talking about for the black community, you look just prior to this horrible uh, situation coming in from China, when the virus came in. That was the, probably the highest point home ownership for the black community. Home ownership the uh, lower crime, the best jobs they've ever had, highest income.
0: So that's the thing. You can't solve the past. He cannot solve the past. He can only solve the future. That's true in business. It's true in life. It's true about everything. And if you just keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to get the same results forever. Trump is a disruptor. He is disrupted mostly for the good. The other side can do nothing but lie and lie and lie. Omaha Steaks is back as a sponsor and that's good news for me. I don't care about you, but it's good news for me because that means they're going to send me steaks. Well, they did send me steaks. I got some yesterday. They were a sponsor before. They sent me steaks before. I, I wept. I wept when they stopped sending me steaks because these steaks are great. They are great. And you don't want to go to a grocery store now. It's crowded. You have to wear masks and all that stuff. Instead, stay at home and let Omaha Steaks ship your food directly to your door. Right now, you can get a gourmet grill-out package with an exclusive offer just for my listeners. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code CLAVEN into the search bar, and for this week, Omaha Steaks will add four burgers and four gourmet jumbo franks free with your order. It's called the Grill Out Favorites Package, and it lets you stay at home and eat like you're the best steakhouse in town. We're talking a variety of gourmet grillables, like the Omaha Steaks bacon-wrapped filet mignon. I can barely say that without just leaving uh, the camera and going out and starting cooking. Visit omahasteaks.com and type Clavin in the search bar and order today. Omaha Steaks isn't just steak. It's the best steak of your life, guaranteed. And don't forget, when you order the Grill Out Favorites package, you'll also get four gourmet jumbo franks and four Omaha Steaks burgers free to complete your steakhouse experience. Stay home, stay safe, and eat great. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the keyword Clavin, and order today. And when you eat that steak, you're going to say, boy, oh boy, I wish I knew how to spell Clavin, so I could get even more. It's K-L-A. I'm here to help. It's K L A V. AM. I am on the all access uh, feed today. Is that am I right? Yeah, I think I do the all access feed today at five o'clock Pacific and whatever time and whatever outwater you're in. Uh, you can watch uh, a lot of our podcasts now. You can watch them obviously on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Facebook, and of course, dailywire.com. But you can also watch them on Apple TV and Roku right on your TV. You got to be an insider member to watch live. So head over to dailywire.com slash Clavin and use code watch to get 15% off your membership purchase plus a leftist tears tumbler. Again, that's dailywire.com slash Clavin to get 15% off with code watch. The mailbag is on its way. Mailbag!
1: Yeah!
0: <laughs> oh, God, wish it out into the cornfield, son. Uh, let's start with the video from Sophia.
2: Hey, Andrew. Sophia here, coming to you from sunny Israel. I moved here from Canada almost 10 years ago, and it was the best decision of my life. This country is incredible, and I wish more people knew that. One of the first videos I saw of you is where you make the argument to give the Middle East to the Jews, like give everything to the Jews. and <laughs> It was hilarious and true, an added bonus. My question is, have you ever been to Israel? And if so, did you like it? What were your impressions? And if not, do you have any plans in the future to visit Israel? Obviously, after this global pandemic is behind us. I love your show.
0: Well, thank you very much, Sophia. Uh, I was in Israel years ago with my wife. We had a great time. I absolutely loved it. I loved the country. It was incredibly inspiring to visit religious sites. Uh, I, I'm a convert to Christianity, and it was uh, amazingly moving to step in places where I knew Jesus had been and see the scenery that was there. The peop- I loved the people. I loved the Israeli people. They were tough, hard-bitten, but also incredibly friendly, incredibly nice. It was very hard to work. The- I couldn't figure out how to work the... Um, gas pumps at the pump at the gas station. And a a guy actually pulled off the road. He was driving past, saw me fiddling with it and pulled off the road. I think it was a soldier uh, and helped me use it. It was just a a wonderful country. I loved being there. I really enjoyed it. And I do have plans to go back. I'm actually, uh, I've signed on to do a project that may involve me traveling to Israel uh, and so uh, I'm really looking forward. I hope I get a chance to do that. It's a wonderful, wonderful country. I absolutely just I, I love the people and uh, you know I just I just thought it was great. Uh, from Mariah, I guess it's pronounced. Uh, I'm hoping you can give me a hundred percent correct answer to all my problems. My sister's my best friend, but she's going off the deep end. She's been in terrible relationships in her entire life. About two and a half years ago, she got into a relationship with a guy who has a drinking problem. His family has a history of mental illness. They had a baby a year ago and things have been going downhill ever since. Two months ago, they got into a big fight uh, because she was seeing someone else. He went to her house, stole her phone, ended up kicking her out of a moving car, nearly killed her. I encouraged her to press car- charges, but a month later, she said he promised to change and she's going to marry him in Vegas. And she did marry him. Now they're married. She wants me to support their marriage. As a Christian, I want to forgive him and move on, but I'm afraid that until he gets help, he's not going to change. I want to slap her. (laughs) She has three other children. I'm afraid from them all. I'm not sure how to maintain a good relationship with her while not wanting to have anything to do with him. And I'm hoping you can help me sort it out. Love the podcast. Yeah. Well, look, you're going to have to really assess here. Uh, Your sister is almost certainly a lost cause. It's not for me to say she is a lost cause, but as far as you're concerned, she's a lost cause because you can't help her. You can't do anything to help her. This is a woman who's making bad decisions, obviously very self-destructive, obviously in a self-destructive relationship. You have a couple of jobs here that you have to do. One is not to get seduced by the drama. You have to just stay out of this. You've got to stay out of the drama. Don't get into long conversations. Don't try to change her. Don't try to help her. Don't try to save her. That's all done. You're not You're not going to do it. And don't get involved. You know, when your sibling is having a hard time, it's kind of a goose to you because there's sibling rivalry, no matter how close you are, no matter how much your sibling is your best friend, there's always some sibling rivalry and hostility. So you kind of get a goose watching her destroy herself. Just steal your mind against it. Steal your mind against the drama. Steal your mind against the goose. Don't Pay attention to that. What you have to do is you have to be a great aunt to these kids. And the way you be a great aunt to these kids is let them visit you and live a good life. You live an orderly and good, decent life. And invite those kids over and treat them like your own when they're there. Let them see what a good life looks like. Be a role model to them as much as you can and just stay out of your sister's business because this is really, somebody who's doing this, somebody who marries a guy after he's thrown her out of a moving car is not gonna change anytime soon. That's not gonna happen, but the kids matter. And if you can be a good aunt to them, Uh, And have them visit you and live a good life yourself, so they can see what that looks like. Then you can be of some help to the next generation, because otherwise these kids are are just going to be lost in this dysfunction. And that's what you're describing is terrible, high level dysfunction. Um, Here's is interesting from M, uh, who's obviously female. uh, She says, "Dear Oracle, Clavin, Diviner of." tomorrow's news. Next week I turn 30 and I feel stuck. When you talk about the feminine role, it resonates with me. My mom was a housewife and homeschooled us. It was priceless and I always wanted that future too. The problem is I'm invariably magnetized to women, attracted to other women. People say women are more fluid than men, so I've dated guys, but I don't fall for them. Yet I'm also loath to accept a gay identity because I feel if I do, my purpose as a woman and human will be ripped from me. My friends are abandoning postgrad degrees and jobs to be wives and mothers. If that's not my—I'm glad to hear that, by the way. If that's not—it's a wise decision. If that's not my future, I'm crushed imagining a relentless life of punching a clock. I've been pestering my friend God, but I'm still unsure of my purpose. And to be honest, I'm scared. Being a bigoted sexist, me, I I hope you understand what I'm clunkily trying to describe. What's the here, wise one? Thanks, I look forward to having my life changed, possibly for the better. Well, um, here's the thing. You're gonna have to make a decision. And and this this is the thing. Only you can make this decision. I'm not in your skin and nobody else is either. You're attracted to women. You're gonna have to decide whether or not you want to put that attraction aside and and marry a man and live in a more traditional role. And that is going to depend on a number of things. One, whether you can stand it, whether you do, are you, you say you're not, you don't fall for men, but are you repelled by them? Uh, Can you not give a man the kind of love that a man is going to need? If you make this decision, it's over. That's it. You have to stop. You have to stop being attracted. You have to stop flirting with women. You have to stop thinking that when, oh, when the kids are grown, I'm going to leave and fulfill myself with a woman. You are making a decision to fulfill yourself in one way as opposed to another way. Okay, and that's a decision that only you can make. It's it's only up to you to make it. If you make that decision, and by the way, I know people who've made this decision who were lesbians and who decided, no, I want a family, and they went forward honestly with an, a guy and um, and made a family together and seemed to be, t- for, to my out- outside eyes, seemed to be uh, happy with that. But if you can't make that decision, don't make it, obviously. Don't drag a, a new family, new human beings, and, another, and a man into the misery of you're going only halfway. The left's idea is that you are fulfilled in your sexuality, and there's some truth to that. It's not like your sexuality is not a fulfilling part of your life, obviously. But My idea is that you are fulfilled in the totality of your humanity and only you can decide how much this aspect of your humanity is part of that totality. You know, if it's, if it's such a large part of that totality that you're just going to be miserable in a relationship with a man, then you're going to have to make a different decision. But, but it is a decision you have to make and you have to make it for good. Okay. And that's something only you can do. I can't really make that decision uh, for you. Let's, uh, let's play the video from Eric. Eric.
3: Mr. Clavin, appreciate you taking my question. Um, you like Crowder more than Knowles, correct? <laughs> In any event, I was curious to get your thoughts on the following: <clears throat> COVID. Just came. Um Do you think that <clears throat> it's a bad idea to run from your current, you know, social situation with your friends who have? proving themselves to be liberals if not leftists and uh, actually move to a completely different um, city where you might not know anybody at all in my situation i'm actually moving to nashville tennessee makes a little bit of sense for work by the same token it's not necessarily necessary um so i'm a little hesitant to do this all but i start to question whether i'm just making a scared move in the sense that i'm abandoning everybody out of frustration of their political views and running somewhere else where I hope it's going to be better? Or do you think I'm just bound for the same situation all over again? Um,
0: well, first of all, when you say that I like uh, Crowder more than Knowles, that's like asking me, you know, if I like eczema more than the flu, but I, <laughs> I, do, I do like this. His, uh, his cup does make an excellent ashtray. Um, no you know first of all you look you look like a young guy young people should move young people should go and do new things and see new things and there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to move to a place that is more conducive to your Uh, values where you're going to meet more people with your values. Why shouldn't you want to be around people with your values? You shouldn't leave your left-wing friends behind. You shouldn't tell them I'm leaving because of you and buzz off. You know, you should move to a place where you're going to feel more comfortable and be happier and have a better chance of, I I don't know if you're married, but a better chance of meeting somebody that you can uh, be with. And I, I don't see why you shouldn't do that. I also don't see why at your age, you shouldn't explore new places and go to new places and do new things. I mean, I always loved moving around when I was younger. Uh, and now it's a little harder, but still, I mean, it, it it's still just something if there's nothing else that's keeping you there, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. I think it's, uh, and it's not, it's not running away or moved. You know, it's, it's always, there's always a difference between running away from something and running to something. You know, if you're going to find a way to, that you can live more comfortably with people who are more like you, why, why not? I don't know. Uh, all right, I'm running out of time, but I'll take one more quick one. This is Chris. The question is uh, from Chris. It's inspired by the Netflix documentary, "The Social Dilemma," which I know about, but I haven't quite, se- I haven't seen yet. Uh, which is about social media and how they use. Uh, algorithms and tricks to basically induce you to use it more. Uh, It says, Dearest Lord Clavin, how do you square the pure evil that social media has become with our necessity to function in an increasingly internet social media based economy? I know the daily wire needs social media to stay active and profitable and that the daily wire's product is a good for humanity, but how do we support others use of social media for good when social media is so bad as a whole? Thanks. Well, social media has been, I think uh, a bad thing, but the thing that it really is, is it's a human thing. And when new when a new at way of communicating comes along, humans are going to use it in all the ways they have used communication all this time for insults, for hatred, for pornography and for the good things like The Daily Wire on social media. So what I would say is first, curtail your use of it. Do not use it as much as you have the kind of knee jerk uh desire to use it because it is addictive but the other thing is make sure you use it in a way that is good it is not you know people don't suddenly have no feelings because they're on social media it doesn't suddenly make it all right for you to spew filthy language it doesn't suddenly make it all right for you to insult people and call them names because you can't see them and you're not experiencing their pain behave as you would behave if the person were sitting right in front of you i i go on social media uh, fairly often, I use Twitter, and uh, which I, I and I dislike the people who run Twitter, but I still use it because it's a good way to get a funny joke off. But I, I would say that I send about one fiftieth of the number of tweets that come into my mind because it's very easy to start saying stuff that's funny and amusing and cute, but could hurt people's feelings and be cruel and and useless. You know, so I try and keep it to informational stuff, funny stuff that I think is really funny without being cruel. And you know, I just try to behave as I behave with, to people in real life, except of course my staff, whom I just brutalized. But but no, really, I mean, it, it's humanity. It's humanity. Humanity is bad and good, and that's what's going to happen on social media. You have to make sure that you use it in a way that is conducive both to your, your humanity by not getting addicted and other people's humanity by treating them politely. I got to stop there, but I'll be back again tomorrow. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is the Andrew Clavin Show.